Our scripture lesson for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 18. John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 11 and reading through verse 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Then we move on to verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said, that he had said these things to her. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, the story of Mary Magdalene meeting Jesus at the empty tomb is found only in John's Gospel. I suspect that Mary told this story directly to John and he incorporated it into his word because it has an important message for you and me to reflect on today. Because everything in this little slice of life conforms with human nature as you and I know it and understand it. A weeping woman lingers by an empty tomb, wondering what has happened to this one that she loved and appreciated so much. She wonders what has happened. Where is he? And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears. She doesn't recognize him at first. But when she does, she's so excited that she wraps her arms around his feet because she doesn't want to let him get away. She wants to hold on to him, and he has to say, let go of me, stop clinging to me. And the account goes on to say how this mourning woman becomes the first missionary, rushing off to tell everyone the good news that Jesus is now alive. Although Mary Magdalene plays an important role in the life of Jesus, we know surprising little about her. She was one of at least five different women in the New Testament that have the name of Mary. And unless we're very careful, it's easy for us to get these women confused with each other. Mary Magdalene was born and grew up in a village called Magdala on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. 
she was one of a group of women who accompanied Jesus and his disciples, offering their care and their support and their love and their financial offerings in any way they could. We are told that Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. We don't know very much about what these demons had done to her, but obviously they had enslaved her and inhibited her from being the kind of person that she would like to be. One demon is bad enough. Seven demons is seven times worse. She had been enslaved by these demonic powers, and they resulted in a very sad condition that she had to live out her life in until the time Jesus delivered her and rescued her and set her free. No doubt her condition was known to others around her and probably caused her to be isolated from society because who wants to be associated with a woman who has seven demons inhabiting her body? Some people think that this is the woman who was caught in adultery that John mentions in chapter 8, that there is no evidence in the text to defend that point of view. Others think that she could be the woman referred to in Luke 7 who washed the feet of Jesus, but there's no evidence in the text to indicate that that is the case either. She has developed a reputation of being a person who is a symbol of repentant sinners who have come to Christ from a very checkered background. That may be true in her case, but we don't know anything for sure. But this we do know, that when Christ set her free, he liberated her from the evil miseries that had kept her chained both figuratively and literally. She was living proof of the fact that when the Son of God sets us free, we are free indeed. Having been liberated from that demonic bondage, she said to herself, and perhaps out loud, I love him for what he did to me. I will follow him wherever he goes. And during this season of Lent, leading up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, we reflect upon the story of Jesus as he was crucified on that cross on Calvary's hill to pay the price for our sins. And John tells us clearly that Mary Magdalene was beneath that cross. As Jesus was dying there, bearing the torment of agony in hell for us, Mary was there alongside the mother of Jesus, who was also called Mary. And when they took the body of Jesus down from that cross around three in the afternoon, Mary was there and she saw that ghastly sight of the body of Jesus beaten and crucified on a cross. And when they placed that body in the tomb, Mary Magdalene was also there sitting on a rock ledge watching everything that was happening. They were in a hurry to bury that body because Sabbath was approaching at 6 o'clock on Friday evening, and they wanted to get that body in the grave before the Sabbath approached. And so the women did not have time to anoint the body of Jesus appropriately. They just ran out of time to get that task accomplished. And so early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene and the other women were making their way to the garden tomb because they wanted to finish the task of 
anointing the body of Jesus. And if you pierce together the various accounts of that first Easter Sunday, it seems as if Jesus arose from the dead about several hours prior to dawn. There was an earthquake. The seal was broken on the tomb. The stone was rolled away by the angels, and and Jesus came out of that tomb. The soldiers were knocked unconscious, and when they came back to their senses, they fled in terror, not wanting to be responsible for the grave being open. And when the women found that tomb empty, they went away confused and bewildered, wondering what had happened. They were terrified. And they went to tell the disciples, and, and the disciples weren't sure what to make of it either. So Peter and John rushed over to that tomb to check it out for themselves. And when they saw the grave clothes lying there exactly as they had been placed around Jesus' body on Friday, John and Peter believed, and they went back to tell the other disciples. At that point, Mary Magdalene returns to the tomb. She is confused and bewildered. She's in shock, frightened and brokenhearted. It has not yet occurred to her that the empty tomb means that Jesus has risen from the dead. It has often been said that Mary Magdalene was the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. That's a high honor that cannot be said about any of the disciples. She was the first to see him alive. She was the first to hear his voice. The irony of the story is that when she saw him, she didn't recognize him. But when the truth hit home, she became the first evangelist in Christian history. Christ bestowed that great honor upon her because she loved him and because she had dedicated her life to him. Death is never easy to deal with. Most of the time we try to avoid death or to postpone it or to keep it as far away from us as we possibly can. But sometimes death stares us in the face and we simply don't know how to respond to it. That's why Mary was standing there at that grave around 6.30 in the morning on that first Easter Sunday, wondering what was going on, wanting to be as close as possible to the last place she had seen her beloved Lord. John writes, now Mary stood outside the Uh, the tomb crying and as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seating where Jesus body had been one was at the head and the other at the foot they asked her woman why are you crying they have taken my Lord away she said and I don't know where they have put him If the tomb is empty, why is she still there? Either you know the answer and I don't have to say anything about it, or you don't, and there isn't much that I can say. But if you have ever lost a loved one, 
someone who is very precious to you, more meaning to you than life itself, then you know why Mary was there. She had loved Jesus in life, and now she wanted to show her love in death. She had served him in life. Now she wanted to serve him in death. She was there at that tomb alone because death could not destroy her love. And if you have ever experienced the loss of a loved one or a dear friend, there may be times when you go to that cemetery where that special person in your life is buried and you stand there by that graveside alone. In your heart, you may even talk to that one who is now gone and tell them again how much you love them and how much you miss them. And if you have ever done that, then you know why Mary was standing there at that tomb on that first Easter Sunday. Mary is weeping because the tomb is empty. She is weeping over an empty tomb. What should have been good news for her caused her instead to weep and mourn. We would say today that the empty tomb was the greatest proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet Mary is weeping, and that shows us that evidence alone will never persuade anyone unless that evidence is accompanied by a proper understanding and by an open heart. Nothing is going to change. Mary had all the right facts in front of her, but she still jumped to the wrong conclusion. And how often don't you and I do the very same thing? When faced with trials and unexplainable tragedy, how often don't we weep over our circumstances when if we had the perspective of God, there wouldn't be any reason for us to weep at all. And consider this, if Mary had gotten her wish, we would still be weeping today. If she had found Jesus' body still in that tomb, we would have nothing to celebrate during this Lenten season. And that brings us to verses 14 and 15. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Why didn't she recognize the Lord? The text really doesn't say, but several answers come to our minds. Certainly she was not expecting to see him. All of us have various contexts in which we place our friends. We have people that we know from work, people that we know from our neighborhood, people that we know from our church. But when we run into some of those people on a Thursday afternoon at the grocery store, they are out of context for us, and it's harder for us to place them and to remember their name. Certainly, Jesus was out of context for Mary on that early morning Sunday. And because she had been weeping, because she was filled with emotion over the loss of her dear friend Jesus, 
it was hard for her to focus on what she saw. But the main reason seems to me that Jesus deliberately withheld his own identity from Mary because he wanted to teach her a lesson, just as he withheld his identity from the two Emmaus travelers a little later on. Jesus did not want Mary to recognize him at first because there was an important truth he wanted to teach to her. She had to learn that he is always present with us even when we are going through the darkest and most difficult circumstances in our lives. From this we learn that the Lord is often closest to us when we feel most alone. Many times when we are going through a dark valley, it seems to us as if God has forgotten us, as if God has abandoned us. But if only our eyes could be opened and we would be able to see that the Lord is walking there next to us, right by our side, supporting us and encouraging us every step of the way. Just because we don't see him doesn't mean that the Lord is not there. And notice the question that Jesus asked. Who is it you are looking for? Not what are you looking for, but who are you looking for? Mary was looking for something. She was looking for a dead body, the body of Jesus that she had seen placed in that grave on Friday afternoon. But Jesus wants to remind her that that's the wrong thing to look for. She isn't supposed to look for something. She should be looking for someone. The answer to our deepest needs can be no one else than Jesus, the Messiah, the one who died and rose again. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary, he still knows her name. Roboni, she cries out, my teacher. Think how much emotion can be conveyed in just one word. Father, mother, dad, mom, son, daughter, sweetheart, dearest. When Jesus called her name, he was saying to her, Mary, I still love you. I still know you. I'm still here with you. You don't have to be afraid. She knew his voice, and he knew her name. And this fact is of supreme importance because death cannot destroy human personality. The essence of who we are passes through death undisturbed. The real you lives on and passes through the doorway marked death to enter that great eternity which lies 
just beyond the threshold. Then he says, do not hold on to me. Or better, stop clinging to me. Perhaps she knelt down and wrapped her arms around his feet so that he would never leave her. I thought I had lost you, she was thinking, but now that I have you back again, I'm not going to let you get away. I'm going to hang on to you. And Jesus, Mary, had found the man that she could love and trust with her life. She was clinging on to something, however, that she simply had to let go. And Jesus reminds her of that. The words of Jesus mean everything is not going to be the same anymore, Mary. Things are going to be different now. And then he goes on to explain to her what he has in mind. He talks about the fact that he will soon ascend to his Father who is in heaven. And there he's going to take his place at the right hand of God, the majestic one. And from there he will intercede for his people and send his Holy Spirit to dwell within their hearts. He will be closer to them in the future than he is right now. He must ascend in order that people down through the ages can identify with him and come to know him and be saved as he works in their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. If he stays here on earth, his ministry will be limited to the few, those to whom he can talk, those to whom he can be seen. But if he ascends into heaven, then he can send his Holy Spirit to dwell in the hearts of all those who need to know and appreciate this saving message of his love and grace. He must leave the few in order that he may save the many. And on that day, Mary could touch him. But now that he has ascended, we can all touch him today through faith and through prayer and through worship. Mary's desire was understandable. And her fear of losing him was very human indeed. But it can't be that way. All of life is a letting go, a releasing of those things we hold dear, a giving up and letting go of loved ones so they can fulfill God's message and purpose for their life and mission. We must say goodbye to the good in order that God's best for us may come. So Mary went and told the disciples what she had seen and heard. The Greek that is used here is very vivid. Literally, it means Mary came telling. She couldn't stop talking about this encounter that she had had with the risen Lord Jesus. The mourner has now become the missionary. And so it is with all who meet the risen Lord. We are called to do as Mary did, to run and to tell to everyone who will listen that we have met Jesus, that we have seen Jesus. Mary had firsthand knowledge, and we can have that too through faith in Jesus Christ. There's great power in the words of someone who can say, I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I am giving you an eyewitness account. 
That is the message that Mary had, and this is a message that our world needs to hear so desperately in the face of death and all of the trouble that comes along with us as we make our journey through life. God has given us the answer. We can say to those who feel bewildered and heartbroken, fear not. Jesus has come back from the dead. He has risen again from the grave through the eyes of faith we can see the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Here's good news that will help you to know which religion is the best to follow. Find the religion whose founder rose again from the dead. That's the true religion that comes down from heaven. Only one religion meets that criteria, that standard. And that is the Christian faith. And only one man in history meets that qualification, the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow him, and he alone will lead you to heaven. And if there is anyone here today who does not know Jesus, think about these words of Mary. She said, I have seen the Lord. She said to him, my Lord and my God. Can you say, I have seen the Lord, not with your eyes, but by way of faith? And can you say, my Lord and my God? If there is anyone here this morning who does not know Jesus, or if you're not sure, then now is the time for you to put your trust in him. Here is a very simple prayer that you can pray. A prayer that you can pray to express the desire of your heart. If you sense God is calling you to come to Jesus, If you truly want to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then I invite you to join me in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I confess that apart from your grace, I will never go to heaven. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my punishment and dying in my place. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. With all my heart, I trust you as my Savior and acknowledge you as my Lord. Come into my heart and save me now. I gladly receive your gift of salvation. Amen. Amen. And let me remind you that there isn't anything magic about saying that prayer. We aren't saved by saying a prayer. We're saved by grace, by God's love and grace in Jesus Christ alone. But if you have prayed that prayer now or at some point in your previous life, 
then you can say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. Then you can say with Mary, my Lord and my God. And if that is your testimony of faith, then you are called to share that wonderful message of God's good news with others so that you can be an encouragement to him, them, so you can be a missionary to them. When Jesus asked Mary, why are you crying? He was really saying to her, the time for crying is over. The time to tell the good news has come. Your faith will grow and your doubts will vanish when you tell other people what Jesus Christ has done for you. So during this Lenten season, leading up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, as we reflect on the story of Jesus being brought to that cross on Calvary's hill where he paid the price for our sins, remember that that's not the end of the story. Remember that three days later on Easter morning, he rose again from the dead. Jesus is alive. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. So follow the example of Mary Magdalene and share that wonderful good news of salvation with everyone you know. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Mary Magdalene. Even though we don't know a lot about her, we do know that she loved the Lord Jesus intensely. And she devoted her life to serving him. And she was privileged to be the one who saw for the first time the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And, and she was absolutely convinced that he was her Lord and her God and that salvation had come through his perfect life and atoning death and glorious resurrection. We don't have the privilege of seeing the risen Lord with our physical eyes, but through the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and through the faith that he develops within our lives, we can see him by faith, and we are called to follow the example of Mary Magdalene and share that wonderful good news of salvation with everyone we meet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's